Welcome to the podcast of Christ Church in Town in Jacksonville, Florida. We are seeking the renewal of all things in Jesus Christ. Towards that end, we are committed to cultivating personal transformation in Christ, an uncommon fellowship of racially and economically diverse individuals, and the flourishing of our neighbors. To join our local body in membership or financial support, visit ChristChurchInTown.org. Today we are continuing in our sermon series in the book of Isaiah. We titled this The God Who Saves early on when we started this series. So we're going to continue in Isaiah. And if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. So our our scripture reading today is Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor and has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, and the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities and the devastation of many generations. The grass wither, the fire flades, but the word of our, word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated. Father, we thank you for this day. We pray that you will open our hearts and minds. Let us receive a word from you today. Today, I want to talk from the subject, what a mighty Savior. What a mighty Savior. In previous chapters, God has been instructing his people to keep justice, to do righteousness. As a matter of fact, in chapters 56, through 59 is basically about God's people failing to be righteous. It's about God's people not demonstrating his righteous character. He's, he wanted his people to be living witnesses of him in the world. But time and time again, they fail. But in spite of their failure, God has promised by the time we get to the end of chapter 60, that his people would be righteous. He is promising them something that they could not do for themselves, that we could not do for ourselves. And so when we look back at Isaiah chapter 59, about verse verse number 20, we see that these words, and a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. So what we see in chapter 61, 
we see this redeemer, we see this king who will rule God's people. So in 61, it starts out with these words, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up broken heart, hearted, the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So who, who is this one? Who is this that is saying the spirit of the Lord is upon me? Who is this one who has been anointed? This one who has been anointed, we read about him in chapter 11 of Isaiah. It said the, the, the branch that would shoot from the stump of Jesse. We read about him then. Then we read about him in chapter 42 when it talks about the Lord's servant. And we talked about the one who would be an everlasting king, the one who would be a servant to all, the one who was the suffering servant, and one who would be Lord of all. And in Isaiah 61, it just simply says the anointed one. But if you go to Luke chapter 4, in Luke chapter 4, and we'll pick up around the 18th verse, you will see just who this is. In Luke, it tells us that it's Jesus. But what we see is that when Jesus begins his earthly ministry in a synagogue in Nazareth, you, you will see that he walks in and he picks up the scroll and he begins to read these words. He goes, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captive and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So what Jesus is saying is that I am the one that this prophecy was about. I am he. A couple weeks ago, I said if there was ever a time that you could just drop the mic and walk away, this is, a, this is another one of those times. That when Jesus begins to say, I am he, I am the redeemer, I am the one that the, that the prophet Isaiah was writing about, I am he. That is good news, brothers and sisters. We don't have to worry about who's going to be our redeemer. We don't have to worry about the one who's going to deliver us. I am he. This is me. Now, look, when Jesus spoke these words, it goes on to say in Luke chapter 4, and he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he says to them, he begins to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Isn't that something? He's saying, this is it. I am he. I want to drive that home because a lot of times people are wondering, who's going to get me out of this? Who can keep me from falling? Only Jesus can. He can do it. So he's saying here that they begin to hear this and all, and all spoke of him and marveled at his gracious words that they were coming from his mouth, and they said, is, this, is not this Joseph's son? They were looking for reasons to discount that Jesus was actually the Redeemer. 
They were looking for reasons. What they're saying is, ain't Joseph the man down the street his daddy? That's basically what they're saying. Joseph is a nobody. How is his son all this? Jesus is letting them know that I am he. So who is it? It's Jesus. Now, what did he come to do? Jesus came to what I believe to do, and he left for us to do, is to to help people in trouble, help people in bondage, and pray for people whose hearts are broken. Listen to what Jesus says back in Isaiah 61. He says, bring good news to the poor. Bring good news to the poor. Why is it that he's bringing good news to the poor? Because sin, I believe this particular word here is not talking about the material poor, the materialistic poor. I believe it is talking about those who are spiritually poor. You want to know why? Because sin impoverishes us. Sin breaks us. Sin holds us in a place to where we are lost. And and, uh, I don't care how much you have. If you don't have Jesus, you're the poorest man ever if you don't have him. So sin impoverishes us. So he sent this anointed one. He sent Jesus to, to bring good news to the poor. What else did it say? It says, bind up the brokenhearted. Why? Why is he binding up the brokenhearted? Because sin breaks our heart. Sin breaks our heart. And the only person that can heal a broken heart is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Are y'all following me? Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can bind up a broken heart. Look, look what else he says here. To, to proclaim Liberty to the captive. Why? Because sin traps us. I've said this before. Sin grabs a hold of us. It holds us longer than we want to be held. It keeps us and, and it stops us, y'all, from doing. Anybody in here ever been trapped in sin? Anybody? Oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's all of us. All, uh, every hand should have went up. That, that we've been trapped and could not get ourselves out of it. Could not get ourselves out of it. Only Jesus can free us from the trap of sin. Look what it says here. Opening the prison for the bound. This is good stuff, y'all. This this is good stuff. To open the prison for the bound. Why? Because somebody may say that I'm I'm not in prison. (laughs) But you, you are bound by sin. You are bound by sin. Sin oppresses us. Sin keeps us down. Sin will trap us. Sin won't let us go. Sin breaks our heart. It is because sin that we don't love one another like we should. Sin holds us and it keeps us. Then he says this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. Amen. We need to be shouting from the mountaintop that he is coming back. Now is the time to accept him. We need to tell it everywhere we go. Look, we need to shout better than when the Jags score a touchdown. Better than when our team win. I told Sonya last night 
Sonia is a graduate of FAU. FAU had a 0.7% chance of winning their first game. Are y'all listening to me? 0.7% chance. And now they're going to the Final Four. Listen, when I told Sonya that they was on the way to the Final Four, she was like, yes! She was happy. And she's not a sports fanatic at all. But she connected with that because that's the school, that's the college she went to. Are y'all with me? And when somebody tells you about the goodness of Jesus, man, we ought to scream, yes! When somebody say, ain't he good, we ought to say, yes, he is. Won't he do it? Yes, he will. We ought to be excited about this. We need to proclaim his goodness. We need not talk about nothing more than we talk about the goodness of God who sent his son for our sins. So listen to what he came to do. I want, I want to read this one more time. Bring good news to the poor, to bind up the broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captives, open the prison for the bound, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When Jesus came, he came full of grace and truth. He came to pronounce what is right and what is good. He came to embrace the broken, the hurting, and the needing. That's us, y'all. We were broken, we were hurting, and we were needy. He came for us. Is that anybody in the room? Does anybody know that they were broken, they were hurting, they were needy? Jesus came for you. Hallelujah. He didn't leave us here to fend for ourselves. He came for us. Look at this. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it, but he came that the world might be saved through him. He didn't just come to his kind. That's good news right there. I think that's important. He didn't come to his kind, just to his kind. As a matter of fact, he came. I don't think we realize just how important that statement is. Because if he came just for his kind, we would be lost. Amen? He came for us all. Sin has taught us, listen to this, listen to this. Sin has taught us to only open our hearts to people who are just like us who look like us, who think like us, who vote like us, who are culturally like us, who are racially like us, and all that is contrary to the will of God. Amen? God opened his heart for all people. Sin has taught us to believe that only my way is right. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. Sin will trap us. Sin will have us going down a road that we can't get back from. Sin will have us thinking that we are the only ones, that we got the best answer. Trust me, brothers and sisters, when I tell you, you don't. I have to, listen, I pray God keep me grounded, keep my feet on the ground, keep my head from swelling, because sometimes if I think I'm right, I can act like I think I'm right. Hello? And that ain't pleasing for nobody. You mad and I think I'm something, and then we got a problem. Are y'all following me today? That's what sin would do to us. But Jesus came to wipe all that away. Glory be to his name. To let us know that we got more in common than we have that separated us. He came to proclaim what is right and good. 
to embrace those people who are broken. I already said that he wants us to go after those people who are lost, those people who, who, who are bound, not necessarily by chains, but by sin. Now, if you look back at the, the reading in, in Luke, when Jesus stops reading in Luke, he stops before he gets to the part about vengeance. He stops. He stops before he gets to the part about vengeance. Now, I don't want us to think that Jesus didn't come to take care of sin because he did. All right? Amen? I want us to know that when Jesus came the first time, he came to preach the good news. Brothers and sisters, we've been talking about this for 2,000 years. Jesus is coming back again. And when he comes back, he's coming to deal with sin once and for all. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we got, we got time. You know, I hear people all the time saying, you know, we've been saying he's coming back for 2,000 years. Listen, he's being kind to us. He's being compassionate to us. He's being merciful to us. He's allowing his grace. For us to experience his grace, because when he comes back, he's coming back to deal with sin once and for all. That's good news, y'all. He's coming back to put the world like it should be. There's peace that we won't have to deal with sin no more. Man, that is good. And listen, why should we be happy about this? Because there will be peace. Amen. We won't have to worry about sickness. We won't have to worry about pain. We won't have to worry about death because all that is a result of sin. So why is he going to do this? Why is he going to do this? So look at verse 3. Verse 3, quickly. It says that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So the world can see the church being different. So the world can see the church standing firm against injustice. To see the church standing together for those who are without. To see the church, the church will be an oak of righteousness. An oak tree of righteousness. Something that's not easily moved by the winds and by, and by culture. Are y'all following me? The church is to be an oak of righteousness, not so the church can puff its chest out, but why? So God may be glorified. Amen. That is the work of the church. We are called to be the church so God can be glorified. Listen, this prophecy is not just about the end of brokenness and affliction, but it's also the return of joy and gladness. God's promise. He promised in verse 4. Look at verse 4. Verse 4, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall build up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined city, the devastation of many generations. That's good. That is good. So God, it's his joy to rebuild that which is ruined. That's why he sent Jesus to rebuild that which had been ruined. And then he says, even if the cities and and, and people have been ruined for many generations, 
It is good to know that none of us are too far that God can't grab us. None of us have gone so long that God cannot deliver us. None of us are so far gone that we can't be set free. Many generations. Man, that's good news right there. That's good news. Anybody feel like there's no hope for them? You ever felt like that? That there's no hope for you? Well, there is hope for you, brothers and sisters. It's found in Jesus. Look at this. Look at this. Let's go to verse 7. Verse 7 says, instead of shame, <laughs> instead of shame, they, they're going to get a double portion. Instead of dishonor, he shall replace their lot. They shall rejoice in their lot. <laughs> Listen, therefore in the land they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. Look at this. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. So what he's saying is that I got y'all. He's going to make an everlasting covenant. He's going to make everything all right. Listen, what is this? I, I love justice. We're so quick that when we see justice, sometimes in this world that we're living in right now, when you say the word justice, it can, be, it can, it can, it can go wrong. It can go wrong because we, we, we tend to think that this justice means social justice. It means that we, we're talking about a social type of gospel. What this word justice is, is bigger than just a legal word. It's about the wholeness of people. He want to make sure that people are treated right. That's it. He, he's concerned with the wholeness of man. He says this, I, for I the Lord love justice and I hate robbery and wrong. So what he's saying is, is I don't like it when you pretend. I don't like it when you just do stuff to do it. He, he want us to do what we do for the right reasons. Amen? He's, he's not pleased that we just do it to say we do it. I give this simple example. It ain't good enough just to say I went to church. I, I came to worship on Sunday. We have to worship for the right reasons. Y'all remember Isaiah 58? He said, is this the fast that I'm looking for? Not this. They're saying, but we did this. We, we have sacrificed. We have, we have done all these things. He wasn't pleased with that. Church, we all not want God to look down at all that we're doing and not be pleased with it for him to count it as robbery. We ought to be doing what we're doing for the right reason. Amen. Well, listen, let's not be afraid of justice. Let's not be afraid of being concerned for the whole person, making sure everything is all right. Y'all remember? Y'all remember Matthew 25? He visited those that was in prison. He clothed the neck and he fed the hungry. That's the work of the church. That's the work of the church. We shouldn't push that off on somebody else to do. Amen. Jesus came. When Jesus came, he ate with sinners. Amen. They were complaining that he was with tax collectors. They complained about what he did. Jesus fed people a lot. Y'all remember two fish and five loaves? Amen. Jesus was concerned about people. He was concerned about them. Y'all remember the man that was in the tomb? His daddy went to him and said, sometimes they time, you know, and he breaks the bands. Y'all remember? 
And when Jesus got finished with him, what was he? Closed and in his right mind. Jesus cares about the whole person. And that's what we have to be about. Caring about all God's people. Look here, so. And I finish with this. If you go down to verse 10. So we know that the Lord loves justice. And we know that he wants us to work in truth. And he's going to make an everlasting covenant with us. What he's saying is, I got you. You can rest on this. You ain't got to worry about nothing else. I got it. He's making an everlasting covenant. Sometimes I can tell you that I'm going to call you. And I have every intention, but I don't. I can say that I'm going to be somewhere at a certain time and, and I, my calendar can get mixed up. And I'm, I'm not there like I should be. But when God tells you something, you can count on it. He says, I'm making an everlasting covenant. What he's saying is that this can't be broken. Nothing's going to come up and this won't happen. That's, that's good, y'all. That is good because, man, some, sometimes things come up and we want to be somewhere, but we can't because we need to handle this. God say, nothing will ever come that I can't make it. I got you. This is an everlasting covenant, and you can trust him. Look at this verse. We finish here. Listen to what he said. I will rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. But as the earth brings forth and sprout, it sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. So verse 10 says, I rejoice in the Lord. Jesus knew what he was about to do. Jesus, Jesus realized that he was coming, that he was going to die on the cross. But yet he rejoiced. Why? Why, why, why do you think he's rejoicing? Because he was pleasing the Father. He was pleasing the Father. So there was a rejoicing because he was pleasing the Father because he knew God had him. Y'all, we can get to a place in our lives where we trust God and we know that God got us. Y'all, it doesn't matter what we're going through. It doesn't matter how hard it is because we can rest in the fact that we're not alone, that God has us. God, listen, Jesus, listen, this is what he's saying. This is, he says, he that is the anointed one will rejoice in the Lord. He knew he was going to be despised. He knew he was going to be rejected by men. He knew he would go to his own and his own would not receive him. But he was rejoicing in the fact that he was doing the will of the Father. And when we're doing the will of the Father, Come hell or high water, we ought to rejoice because God has promised us that he is with us and we are never alone. Listen to what he says. 
For as the earth shall bring forth its sprouts, and the garden shall cause what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord will cause the righteous, will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations. Uh, has God been good to anybody? Has he made a way? We ought to sing his praise everywhere we go. We ought to tell it. We ought to tell people about his goodness. And I believe God has left that for us to do, to minister to the broken heart, to visit those in prison. I believe that's the work that he's left for us to do. I believe under the, the empowerment of the Spirit, <laughs> we can be rebuilders. We can bring people together when we trust God. I believe we can do the work that we're called to do because the people that were receiving this were in captivity. They're, they were away from their homeland, and they had been destroyed. And what Jesus is saying, what God was telling them is that I'm going to make everything all right. There's going, to become, there's going to come a redeemer, and he is going to make everything all right. And guess what, brothers and sisters? He's coming back again. And when he comes back, guess what he's going to do? He's going to make everything all right. That's good news. That's good news. So why not, why not we practice down here? Why not we practice while we're here to make everything all right, to bring people from different walks of life? Because I believe heaven is going to be full of people that we don't like, but Jesus loves. Hello? I believe that we're going to see people in heaven that we didn't think was going to be there. So why don't we practice now? <laughs> why don't we start loving on one another right now? Amen. And I'm glad I'm not the one that determines who goes to heaven. Hello? Because just like I got my mind all messed up about who should go and who shouldn't go, so do you, and I might be on some of y'all lists. Thank God that he knows better than we know. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you today for your love, your kindness. God, we pray as your people that we will preach your message everywhere we go, that we will share of your grace to everyone that we meet, that we will bring good news to the poor, that we will bind up the broken heart, that we will proclaim liberty to those that are captive, that we will open the prison doors for those who are bound and proclaim an acceptable year of the Lord. God, I pray now that we can tell brothers and sisters that they don't have to be trapped in sin, but they have a redeemer. They have a savior who sits high and who looks low, who has all power in his hand, and he's ready to deliver. God, may we be instruments of, for your use on this earth. May this church be a living example of what we shall be throughout this world. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to help support the local body of Christ Church in town, please visit our website at
ChristChurchInTown.org. 